Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. God, it is a, it is a great season of ministry and life together as a church. But God, this morning as we enter back into a sermon series picking up from the fall and we talk about the sermon that you preached and Today we talk about being um, single-minded, running in your direction. We talk about laying down things that are not meant to be taken up eternally and taking up things that have eternal purpose and value. God, I pray that you would indeed call to our hearts and minds just, it, just what it is that you would say to us today. May the words be right and may they be from you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6. Let's do it the way we always did. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. If you're going to follow along on the screen, you'll say it before everybody else. But when you get there, let me hear a loud amen. Okay, I heard one person. I heard the birthday girl say amen. Hey, somebody's birthday today. That is... I don't know. How did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> well, hey, hey, see, we celebrate you. We celebrate all 25 years of your life. Yes, 14 times. Yeah, we celebrate 25 years. Yeah, Celia, way to go. Way to go. Way to go. This is the last time she'll ever get older, and so, so she'll, never, she'll never leave those 30s. But uh, it's good to be there. It's good to be there. Celia, happy birthday. We celebrate you. And my gift to you is that I will not sing. All right, there you go. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. Amen? Amen. All right, here's what the word of the Lord says. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus, will you take this word and will you land it in our lives that it would indeed reconcile who we are with you and who you are before the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but maybe you got an alert on your phone this week, uh, a te- text message from your advisor. Maybe, uh, maybe you just woke up and went online and looked to see how your investments are doing. I don't have many investments, though some people that I'm friends with are playing around with day trading. But no matter how you are investing these days, I'm pretty certain that this last week has been pretty awful for you. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, over the last week, the Dow Jones has dropped 3,600 points. That is the most since 2008, and some would argue that is the most within a week ever. 
If you don't know what any of that means, it means that anybody who is counting on their investment to be their forever plan is really, really sad today. Is really, really sad today. Now, those who know more about investing than me might say something like, well, Pastor Ray, it's going to bounce back. Hang in there. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. And some others might say, uh, you know, uh, well, you know, that's why, I'm that's why I diversify my investment. And to that person, I say, okay, I'm with you. But either way, let me just say one more time, this week, Every single one of us who took our dollars and, and, and set it aside and said, I'm counting on that to be it. We prayed hard this week. We went before God this week. We petitioned the Lord and said, Lord, I don't know how, but somehow turn that around this week. If you're in that spot, I think today's message will speak directly to your, to your situation. But for those who might not be in that place, let me invite you into the conversation as well. Have you ever had a moment in life like Luke is experiencing right now, where you have to make a decision? You have two options, but it is quite impossible for both options to be the right option, because you can only choose one of them. They both may be really good options. They both might even be great options, but needless to say, you can only choose one option. Somebody might call that a fork in the road. You might call that a diverge. Di Thank you, what Pastor Crawford said. <laughs> you might call it one of those things. But let me ask you again, by a show of hands, has anybody had to make a really hard decision, and they seemed like they had two options in front of them and had to figure out how to choose. Anybody have that, ever have that moment? Yeah, I think some of us have. The rest of us who did not raise our hands for that, we're just, you know, we just willy-nilly. You know, just wake up, oh, just go that way. Just trust that it's going to work out somehow. But if, if you've ever had that moment where you've had a fork in the road, a, a, a decision day, uh, you know, a, a deadline coming at you where you had to make a choice, I think today's message is directly speaking to you. Jesus is in the middle of a long uh, illustration and storied uh, sermon, as we would call it. And, and in this message, he has covered many things. We tackled the first half of this back in the fall, and today is our first time picking it back up. And we'll go through the end in the next couple of weeks. But uh, here, here he starts to speak to all of us who are at that place where we're saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to gather up some things and make sure I'm okay. Um, I did not grow obvious, obviously, for, as you can see. Uh, I did not grow up during the uh, the Great Depression, and uh, and I was uh, very slightly relevant enough in life to understand the Great Recession, right? And so, but uh, but anybody who uh, grew up in either one of those eras and was affected by those things um, tend to be people who like count their pennies. You know what I mean? Am I know what I mean when I say count your pennies? Like you know, like you you like. You storing away everything you can, right? Like you just like, I'm gonna make sure. I did grow up during the Y2K era. Anybody else? Anybody else remember that? Anybody who didn't raise their hand? Okay, you were you were alive. Let me just help you. You were all alive during that time, minus landed in the back. 
but, uh, but all the rest of you were alive during that time, right? So check this out. The Y2K time, there was that, that, that fear that, you know, somehow when the clock turned that the computers wouldn't and then everything would just implode, right? And the world was just going to come to an end. And so um, we were advised by everybody with a voice to, like, hoard everything we had and to bunker down. I mean, you probably, maybe somebody in the room, don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Um, just invite me over to, to, to share in your stash. But maybe, maybe you like took all like canned goods you could find and put them down in the basement. And you know you got blocks of ice to keep something cold because and, and you were sure electric wasn't going to work after that and, and everything else. And you, know, you remember what I'm talking about? You created like your own like, you know, family cave, not just a man cave. You were letting everybody in. It was a family cave, right? Like you created your own space. You were sure that if the world imploded that somehow your canned goods were going to help you survive. Right? Remember that? Can we all just laugh about that for a minute? Can we just laugh about that moment? I mean, come on. Come on, let's be honest. Let's just laugh about that. Right? Like, if the world was going to end, like, somehow our SpaghettiOs were going to get us through. You know? Like, we were just all faith in Chef Boyardee. You know what I mean? Like, we were just like, it's going to make it. Well, anyway, so maybe, maybe, you, maybe you're somebody who's stored up like that, and you got some ideas like that. Well, the, Jesus begins to talk about this, and, and he's really speaking directly to all of us who who are saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush it now so that I have it for later. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push hard now so I have it for later. Now, please don't, don't walk out of here halfway through the sermon saying, oh, well, Pastor Ray said I don't have to work anymore because there's no future to worry about. you got to stay all the way through. Okay, that's not what he's saying. But, but Jesus is speaking directly to all of us who are like, I've got my hope and trust in whatever I've, wherever I've banked my dollars. Uh, you heard Pastor Charlie share that uh, the, the staff are heading down to Florida. Thank you, church, for making it possible for, for our staff to go and to, to, to study together and to be invested in, to be able to come back and, and lead really well here to the best that God would allow us. So thank you for that. But as we prepared for that, I was, uh, you know, getting on an airplane. Not a lot to do when you're on an airplane, especially when you're on an airplane. I didn't know where I was going to go with that, but not a lot to do when you're on an airplane. And so, um, so I did what, what everybody in the, in the tech era does. I just got my tablets, and I downloaded all the movies I wanted to watch so that I could just sit there and just watch movies on an airplane. And uh, I was trying to find a really good bank heist movie. So if you have one, I'd like to know which one so I can download it. You know what I'm talking about when I say bank heist? Anybody, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about when I say bank heist? Like, a really good movie where, you know, like, all the money's in the center vault, and it's impossible to get into it, and yet somehow there's somebody with pantyhose over their face, and they're like, I'm going to get it done, you know, and somehow they're trying to drill through or bore a hole through, and, and I don't know about you, but I love those kind of movies because they're ridiculous, and yet you're like, I, I know people actually try this, as ridiculous as it is. Like, we should learn from the movie. It doesn't work. Even if you make it in and you make it out, there's somebody outside waiting to take the money from you. Like, it just doesn't work. And Jesus speaks to this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where the moths and the vermins will destroy and where thieves will break in and steal. It's like, a, it's like the script of a good bank heist movie. Like, don't put all your hope and trust in whatever you've been able to nest egg away because somehow that's going to rot or it's going to get lost or someone's going to take it. Like, that's, 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 that's the whole premise. He says, like, if your hope is in that, what are you going to do when it disappears? What are you going to do? 
What are you going to do when everything that you've been banking on is, literally banking on, is gone? Where does that leave you? You ever felt hopeless? Have you honestly, forget about money for a minute, have you ever just felt hopeless? Have you ever had a moment where you're just like, gosh, I don't know how, I don't know why, and I don't know how to go on. You just felt done. I was driving just, uh, I was telling the staff this, I was driving just yesterday, and, and uh, I pulled up to a light, when I pulled up to the stoplight, to the red, it was a red light, so I guess I redundant to say that. But when I pulled up to the light, um, I was overcome with a sense of hopelessness. I had this deep, dark, depressive, like weight that just fell on me. People have seen the movie Sixth Sense. Anybody? Anybody? Come on, nah, I want to. I'm not the only one who's ever watched the movie, right? Okay. Thank you, Nancy. We're on this together. Thank you. She's like, I'm with you, Pastor. All right, so look, look, in the movie Sixth Sense, you know, I'll ruin it for everybody who hasn't seen it. It ends with the greatest line ever, like, I see you. There's 12 of us that saw it. We could all say it together, I see dead people, right? And it, when you watch the movie for the first time, it blows your mind. You're like, <gasps> and you understand the whole premise of the movie, but Here's the point. I was pulled up to this red light. This depressive cloud was all over me. And I was like, looking around, I was like, there are people literally passing me by on the road, stopping at the light all around me, who have no hope in Jesus. They have no sense of belonging in Jesus. And for everyone who's in that situation, what else do you put your hope in? I put my hope in that my wife is nice, nice enough to me today. I put my hope in that my boss didn't yell at me today. I put my hope in that I nest egged enough dollars away that I'm going to be okay later today. Like, what do you put your hope in if not Jesus? So Jesus speaking to the crowd, he says, hey, like, don't put your, he's really speaking first to the disciples. Don't invest here as if that is the only answer. Now, he's not saying don't store, he's not saying don't save up money, not saying don't do the right thing, not, not, not saying don't be a good steward. He's just saying at the end of the day, if your hope is in your dollars, you're going to be at a loss. You're going to be at a loss. So what do you put your hope in? Restore, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He draws this contrast between the things of earth and the things of heaven. And he's not saying that, that things on earth don't matter in heaven. He actually is saying the way we handle the things on earth will determine what we've stored up in eternity. Some, uh, there's some memes that have gone around, and, and you probably have seen something like this, where people say, you came into the world with nothing, you're going to go out of the world with nothing, so... You know, those kind of ideas, right? And then there's some other memes that go around, like people who are like filthy rich are like, bury me in my car because I want to die with all that I have, and they're hoarding everything they got. And, and both of those memes are, are, are silly in comparison to the story that Jesus is telling, because Jesus is suggesting this. Somehow, what you do with what you have here reveals what is happening already 
in eternity. The way we handle now somehow tells the story of what's happening eternally. And, uh, and so he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, because those treasures, they, they won't decay, they will not be destroyed, no one can steal them, no one can break in and take them, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Let me go back again and say, what? have you ever had a moment where you felt hopeless? Have you ever had a moment where you just felt without? you ever had a moment where you said, I just don't know how to continue, I don't know how to go on? Where our treasure is, our heart is also. Jesus is compelling us to say, hey, come on back. Come on back. Come on back. I know you got, I know you got sidetracked. I know you got sucked in. I know you, you went all in on something else. But listen, eternity depends on this. Come on back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Uh, flip over in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Let's go there quickly. I'm going to try to flip a couple times this morning, and so if you've got your Bible handy, that would be great. Hebrews 13 should be right in there, right before the book of James. Hebrews 13. And he, oh, I heard an amen in the back. Somebody was ready. There you go. There you go. We are there. All right, so here we go. Hebrews 13, starting in uh, reading verse uh, 5. Keep your lives free from... Oh, yeah, we'll go back again. We'll start again. I'm going to read. I'm going to read. You're going to fill in. I'm in 13.5. Keep your lives free from... The love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Check this out. Here's a direct tie to the, to the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preaches. Jesus says that, you know, like if we, if we put all of our hope and trust in this, we're missing the eternal plan. So the call here from the author of Hebrews is to, to push away from the love of money. And trust that Jesus, when he actually says, I'll never leave you, that God, when he actually says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, that that is enough. That that is enough. Watch this. How do I sit in a church with some people who have the ability to write a check to cover our entire financial needs for a month? and talk to them while sitting in a church with some people who don't have the ability to write a check to contribute to the financial needs of the month. How do I do that? How do we do that together? The answer is not because we find some, some, some idea of how all of our money can be won. It's because we understand that at the end of the day, the money is not the decider. It's the king that we yield it to that makes the decision. It is God, ultimately, who says, I have the eternal power and I have the invitation in. That it is Jesus where our hope lives and it's not anything that we could do on our own or anything that we could gather up. It doesn't matter how hard I work. It doesn't matter how much I it, it doesn't matter if I pull myself up by my bootstraps or if I can't afford bootstraps. And by the way, I don't even know what bootstraps are, okay? And so it doesn't matter about those things. And it's not to say that we don't work. It's not to say that we're lazy. It's not to say that you sleep on your parents' couch and they provide for you your whole life. It's to say this. At the very end of the day, Jesus 
is the one we put our hope and trust in. I turn my eyes to Jesus. I focus my eyes on my attent- my heart's attention on Jesus, believing that he and he alone have the abil- has the ability to invite us into the eternal promise. Amen? Come on, somebody get with me today. Here we go. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Jesus is going to continue to share these these illustrations. And this one makes a lot of sense when we really think about it. You ever just looked at somebody's eyes and you could tell a lot by them? Some of y'all look at me and you're like, you know when I'm having like an alive and alert day and you know when I'm having a tired day. See, my eyes are big. For those who might not be able to already tell that, I don't know how, but I have big eyes. My big eyes just tell you a lot about me. I cannot hide from you whether I'm excited for the day or whether I feel like I need to take a nap today, right? Like, sometimes my eyes are, like, bright white, and sometimes my eyes are, like, bloodshot red, right? And by the way, both of those times tell you something about me naturally. Y'all follow what I'm saying there? And follow what I'm not saying, okay? All right, good. Don't need to illustrate it anymore. So when Jesus tells us a story about the eye being the lamp of the body, he talks about the eye being the lamp of the body, understand this. When Jesus was talking to the crowd, he they would have understood this. That they, there was a belief, like a common understanding, that your eyes illuminated things, that your eyes gave light to the world, that, that through you, if there was good things in you, I could see it in your eyes. If there were bad things in you, I could see it in your eyes. Probably where the idea of look me in the eye when you talk to me. Because then I can tell without you saying anything else, I know whether what you're saying is on point or not. I can see the way to a man's heart through his eyes. By the way, sidetrack, you can find a way to my heart. Thanks for following along. I only speak for myself. So when Jesus gives this illustration, he is, uh, he's pointing out this fork in the road kind of moment for us. You see, the eyes have to be single-minded. They have to be going in one direction. They have to be uh, like a single direction is, is, uh, is a clear mind and a, and a focused heart and a the right or good light, as Jesus would have described it. But sometimes our eyes suggest to us that we're not centered or not focused or the things in us aren't so good. So when, the, when Jesus gives the illustration, he's challenging to say, which way are you going to go? I, uh, I'll, I'll share with you just a story real quick. We've got four kids that are, that are awesome. We have three kids that are able to focus more clearly than our fourth. Not in that order, but one of our kids has a harder time focusing. And so his focus means that he's got to like hop up and down and run around in circles and like stand up while we're trying to eat dinner and we take him out to a restaurant and we don't have to pay for his food because he just walks around to everybody else's table and takes food. Like it's, it's great. It's actually it's a great plan for us. 
but he just has a hard time focusing in. The illustration that Jesus gives is not speaking to those who are struggling with ADD or anything like that, but similarly, you just look at him and you're just like, no, focus, focus, hone it in. I get down and I Tebow with him sometimes. I'm like, come on. I said him, so you know it's not cadence. Come on. Come, no, no, just right here. We just got one more math problem to do. You can do this. One more bite at dinner. And then usually I, I bring out the father voice at some point, <clears throat> but I don't want to do that because I'm preaching and you're taping this. So, um, But yeah, I just come sometimes like, come on, just focus in. Just, come on, like, just get all, all attention here. Choose this. You can do it. No, really, you can. I know you can. I hope you can. I, I pray you can. Um, yeah. Jesus' cry to us is that we would be single in our devotion, that, our, that the, the, the eye of our heart would be revealed in the, in the eyes and the way in which we are pointing in one direction. I'm coming after you, God. He wraps up this, this portion of the story by sharing this idea of serving with two masters. And I want to spend the rest of our time here and I'm going to tie back to some Old Testament passage for us to help it make sense. But he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, he brought that back in from earlier, right? Uh, so if you got your Bibles out, go ahead and flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 4. This is going to be the one that helps us to kind of tie it together. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let's get there quickly. Deuteronomy, by the way, if you're not sure where that's at, go to the front of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and you should be there. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Amen. Oh, yeah, I heard amen. That's good. Amen. Come on, somebody else, somebody else get there. All right, I was just stalling until I got there. I'm ready now. Deuteronomy 4, uh, and uh, we'll just want to read, for, the, for our purpose today, we're just going to read one verse, 424, 424. For the Lord your God, okay, try again. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. Come on, that's the part I want to hear. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. We need to understand this before we go any further. And Jesus is revealing the heart of the Father here. From the beginning of Scripture, God has declared that he desires to be the only one. The only one. He desires to be first. Before anything else, first. We wrestle with this. There are stages in life where we wrestle with it more and more. I sit with couples that are engaged to get married, and they're introduced to the wrestle. See, when you're, when, you're, when you're alone, God, you're my everything. God, you're all I need. I ain't got nobody else anyway. God. And then you, then you meet the, the guy or the gal that is going to complete you. You complete me. You can Google that later for the movie of your choice. But <clears throat> you meet this person, you're just like, you're my everything. Like, this is. P, B, and J, like we're just together. God's over here. God's way back here. What about me? 
But somehow we, you know, we just go, okay, we can press on. So we you get, you put the ring on it, and then you come, you meet with Pastor Ray. You're like, Pastor Ray, we're ready to get married. And you hear Pastor Ray say something like, you know, God really wants to be first. And then you look across the couch or the chairs, and you're just like, So you begin to wrestle with, okay, God, putting you first means that the person I love so much has to be second. And then just after a little while of getting that figured out, you introduce into the world little Nino, right? And little Nino comes into the world, and mom's like, Nino, I love you. And dad's like, Nino, stop crying. And you start leaning into Nino, and all of a sudden, God's back here saying, well, that's good, but what about me? That's good. Like, I'm glad you're taking care of Nino, but what about me? What about me? Now, now this is an oversimplification and a dramatization of the fact that God has declared that he's a jealous God. And he means it when he says it. He's not a jealous God the way we understand jealousy here. Like, I'm going to pick a fight with you. I'm going I'm to prod at you. He's a jealous God to say, like, I've done all I can already. Now I'm just going to beckon you to come. And I'm going to keep reminding you in little ways and in bigger ways. And I'm going to be constant. I'm going to be consistent, but I'm going to be constant. I'm going to be there. Because that's the spot I want to have in your life. I said there was two ways to think about today's message this morning. The first was for all of us who are struggling with, like, where do I put my hope? Like, I'm trying to do the long-term, big-picture planning thing. Yeah, it's really important. But my God says he's the eternal plan. Don't go cash out your 401k and say, I'm going to spend it all. (coughs) Still be wise and steward well. But understand, my God says he's the eternal plan. And for those who are facing that big decision, you're at that fork in the road, what do I do? Jesus ends his story by saying, you can't serve two. You can only serve one. Friends, i got to ask you the important questions this morning. Is something else taking the place of God in your life? When you had that big decision to make, did you run to somebody else before you ran to him? Maybe you ran to a really wise person. Maybe, Maybe you went to somebody who you really trust. You called them right away and said, hey, hey, Deacon Nate, I just got to know, what should I do? <laughs> hey, Big Gib, what should I be doing back there? You ran to somebody who you know and you trust, and you're like, hey, I just want to know. But my God says he's a jealous God. Because he wants to be first. He wants to be the primary that you go to. Really quickly, um, fl- continue flipping your Bible. Go to Leviticus chapter 6. It should be back. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus should be back too. 
Leviticus chapter 6. Haven't heard that in a little while, right? Amen. Leviticus chapter 6. Well, I wrote it down, but I'm not sure why. <laughs> so we'll just keep going from there. Go over to Exodus chapter 20. <laughs> if anybody figures out why I wrote Leviticus 6 down, let me know later. Exodus chapter 20. As we can draw close to our end. Exodus chapter 20, in the first two verses, this is the beginning of the, great, of, of the Ten Commandments. Jesus, uh, God speaks and he says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You shall have... You shall have no other gods before me. Stay in chapter 20 and look down at verses 22 and 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites this, you have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. There's two places that God said he does not want to give up. He said, don't put anybody else in front of him, and don't put anybody else equal to him. Friends, i got to say this as clearly as I can to us today. Some of us really need to take a moment and say, where is my hope at? Am I trusting in you, God, for my eternal plan? Some of us need to ask, who, who do I run to? Do I run to you first? Or is there someone else who I've made an equal to you? Or maybe even before you? I'm going to ask you three questions, and I would, I would assume that one of these three questions would be, uh, would be a place in which this sermon might land in your life today. In the stillness of where you're at, or with a piece of paper writing it down, or with your phone sending yourself a message, um, if one of these questions makes sense for you today, go ahead and respond to yourself with the answer to your question. The first question, where have I placed my hope and trust? Where have I placed my hope and trust? Of course, we all want to say it's Jesus. If I was preaching this sermon 20 years ago, I would say, but if you showed me your checkbook, I would tell you whether it's Jesus. But none of us balance checkbooks anymore, so you don't have to say that. Maybe I'd say if you show me your social feed, I would tell you if it's Jesus. Maybe if you just looked at the history on your phone, you could tell if it was Jesus. There's this cool tracker on your phone. It tells you exactly how many hours you spend or how many minutes you spend on any app or on any 
uh, including on your, 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 your search engine app. Um, so it could tell you a lot about your phone. If I were to look at your, at your history, if you were to look at your history, how would your Bible app compare to your social feed? Second question. What are you pursuing most regularly? When I say pursuing, I don't just mean thinking about it. I mean like running after. I was talking to a pastor friend who may be sitting in row number two in front of me with a black and gray sweater on, um, and he was telling me that he recently had gone back to the gym. Now, he was telling me that because we have our annual basketball game coming up, and he's getting ready for it. And so he was like, Pastor Ray, Pastor Ray, I'm going to be ready. Pick me, pick me. I'm going back to the gym. And I looked at him, and I was listening to him tell that story, and I could see the, 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 like the true zeal being like, I am committed to getting back to the gym. I tell people I go to the gym all the time because I actually drive that way. <laughs> I don't go. I drive that way. What are you pursuing regularly? What are you running after? And third, and I think this is the biggest question for us all. This is not a salvation question, though it may reveal something about salvation for us, but have you fully surrendered to God? Have you fully yielded to God? Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples, telling the story, the sermon, recognizing that others would be listening to and knowing clearly that word of that day still carries forth to the day, to the day of today, challenges the disciples and everyone who will follow after Jesus to reorient their life that God would be first, that there would be nobody equal to him, and that all that we have and all that we are would be yielded to him. Position two, not position one. I got to be honest with you, church. There have been many moments in my life, in my, my Christian life, where I've needed to reorient, recalibrate, where I've needed to come back and say, I know eternity is secure. I know that if I die today, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm just recognizing that I'm not living today like I'm with Jesus. And I needed to say, God, I surrender. I want to stop. I want to give up. I want to give over. I want to give back. I want to faithfully say, God, you're first. I've made boneheaded decisions in life. I've made decisions that even my mom wouldn't tell you about. Having a mom. Well, don't tell them about them, though. That's good. That's good. I mean, I mean, I mean, I just, I've just been moronic at times. So there's two things I want you to know. One, if that's true for you, you got company. You're not alone. But two, the reason why I'm not still making those boneheaded decisions in this exact moment is because I will say, God, I need you. I need you to take that place in my life again. I need you to be my center focus. I need you to be all that this is about. I need everything to hug around 
you in the center. So God, I give up. I give up. Because by the way, when I tried to not give up, I failed anyway. Let's just be real. Let's just be real. On my own, not going to make it. Not going to get it done. But with you and through you, God, endless potential. Endless potential. So I give up. God, it's yours. It's all yours. Do what you will with it. Lead the way you might. Restore what you will. Eradicate things, whatever in my life doesn't make sense. Got to give up. Where's your hope and trust? Where's your hope and trust? Are you fully yielded to God? I want to invite you to, to think about that as we use that as, a, as, a, as an entry point for us into this moment we're going to have now. You see, I believe that what the church does when they gather together and they celebrate the communion and the, the sacrament of being with God together and remembering what God has done, I believe our portion in that is to say, hey, God, I want to come to the table empty-handed. I don't want to come to the table bringing you a whole bunch of stuff thinking somehow that that gets me first in line. I want to come to the table empty, just saying, God, a taste is enough. Fill me up. That taste will fill me up. So God, I confess when I missed it. God, I confess that there's somebody else that has been in your place. God, I confess that my heart's attention is on something else. God, this morning, I invite you to have it all back, to have it all back. Jesus gathered together as would have been the tradition, and he had a final meal with the disciples, which would not have been very different in its um, would not have been very distinct or different if not for Jesus speaking these words. As he gathered together with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. This bread is it's my body. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be broken. And that's going to happen for you. What must it have been like to be there that night and to have the Messiah himself saying to you this experience of this brokenness is so that you don't have to experience eternal brokenness. This experience of my body being torn so that you might not Experience that yourself. But even more than that, after giving thanks, they took the cup and they shared the cup. This cup is the, it's the promise. It's the, it's the new covenant. It's the, it's the vow of the blood of Christ being shed for us. What must it have been like to recognize 
that the brokenness in my life would require the blood of my Messiah. Jesus desires to be just that, the Messiah of your life, the Savior, the way, the one. Church, I want to invite you before you come this morning to share in communion with us, before you come to enjoy the bread and the cup, first, prayerfully and earnestly, give God back his seat. God, it's yours. Have control of my life. This table is set not just for those who are members of our church, this table, just like the meal that Christ would have set himself, is meant for everyone who is willing to come and have the meal together with the Messiah. If you've allowed Jesus to be the Lord of your life, whether that happens right now, or whether that's something that happened 20 years ago or more, and you're continuing to live faithfully into your walk with Jesus, this is for you. The blood of Christ has been shed for you. The body of Christ has been broken for you, that you and I might live fully into a right relationship with the King. Would you bow your heads and begin praying with me as those who are leading begin to make their way up to lead with us? Jesus, we thank you. We pray, we invite the elders and deacons to come up now. Jesus, we thank you. We pray, Lord God, that you would indeed um, receive our hearts in this moment. You would receive the cry and the earnest voice of ours that says, God, I need you to be first in my life. I need you to reconcile my heart and my way. And in the stillness of this moment, I invite every one of you to take a moment and confess your personal sins with the Lord. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.